Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. everybody welcome afternoon drive goodman fry watch us milehighsports.com you can reach us on the rocky mountain forest products twitter feed at t fry at eric goodman if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public go to rmfpe.com how you doing there i'm doing fine any big plans for the weekend no not really we're just going to hang out and be quiet well it sounds like i'm not going to hang out with you then no because if you have nothing what going are you going to be doing playing golf tomorrow oh, okay about it Nothing too exciting. Hey, I'm kind of wondering, just off the top of my head, uh, with your revelation yesterday about Dish making an a la carte type offer uh-huh. to Altitude, did you get any pushback from that? No. Why would I get pushback? Just from people who heard what you said or either immediately or in the aftermath and wanted to respond to you. They could push back all they want to. I put it out on Twitter as mm-hmm. well. I saw that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I was told by somebody who has intimate knowledge of what uh, Dish did. And, um, I, um, as far as pushback goes, like what, what would they say? Oh, just like a phone call or a text or something. Somebody from altitude. Yeah. Well, if it's true, it's true. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I found out, uh, when it comes to putting news out there, you'll only hear from somebody if you're wrong. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the Broncos are famous for that, that if you put out something that's wrong, um, you'll get a phone call from PR. If you put out something that's controversial and it's right, mm-hmm. they're not going to bother you. I mean, there, there was a time when I worked at Fox 31. And I will never forget this. It was the only time I got a phone call from him. I put something out there, and it was on TV, mm-hmm. and I got a phone call from Pierre Lacroix. <laughs> I mean, Eric, you haven't been in this business long enough until, in theory, you've been called into the office or called. Um, I, I, I don't know if this has happened to you, uh, but I have been called into Mike Shanahan's office. No. Yeah, that never happened to you? No. Um, I, I never covered the team directly enough for that to happen. I mean, I, there is one journalist who shall remain nameless. I was told he was called into Shanahan's office and he started crying. Want to hear the story behind why I was, in theory, called into Shanahan's office? Sure. Okay, so Jim Sakamano was the PR guy at the time. I wasn't literally called into the office, uh, but Jim said to me, Mike would like to speak with you after practice. I said, fine. The story was, and Alex, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the story about David Kirkus who hit somebody? You know what I'm talking about? He hit somebody, right? And Shanahan came out and said in a press conference that he gave Kirkus a lie detector test, a polygraph test. And he said, Kirk has passed it. So I believe him that he did not do this. So when I was at Fox 31, I did commentaries. And I said, for starters, was this kind of like meet the parents where Shanahan is Jack Burns and Kirkus is Ben Stiller and he hooks him up and it comes back where the, the line isn't, you know, going up and down. And I painted that picture in this commentary. I said, the thing that Mike Shanahan needs to understand is two things. Number one, polygraph tests are not admissible in court. That's the first thing. 
And secondly, as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, he is the most powerful voice in the entire state, Mm -hmm. more than the governor, more than anybody. Head coach of the Denver Broncos or the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. But because Shanahan had been there so long and Elway was no longer the quarterback, I basically said, how dare you do something like that? Stand on a podium and speak into a bank of microphones and proclaim your player innocent because he passed a polygraph test. Mm -hmm. I said, at the end of the day, because of the power of who you are, that was irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Let the courts figure this out. You shouldn't be the one doing this. So... Sacco said to me, Mike would like to talk to you after practice. I said, that's fine. And I'm a firm believer in this. When you say something that can be considered controversial, you say something that might upset a player, you show your face the next day. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Always. And if somebody wants to have at you, that's fine. So I let Mike just talk. He just kept talking, 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 talking. I let him finish, didn't interrupt him. And I said to him, I appreciate what you said. This is still how I feel. And you don't sign my paycheck. Mm-hmm. How do you react that that after it. that? That was the end of the that was the end of the conversation. I used to have a relationship with the University of Oregon football coach Rich Brooks when I was a columnist in Portland, and we had an agreement. He could call me on Monday and tell, him, and it was all off the record. Mm-hmm. He could t- say anything he wanted to within the, the bounds of proprietary conduct, and I I would be able to fire back, and then we would leave it there, and that was it. That was it. It but was off the record. But let me ask you. It was off the record. Why would you have these conversations? Because I was a columnist. I was writing opinion. Were you critical? Yes. Okay. And he would just call, and he, he, he never felt like it was raking me over the coals so much as trying to enlighten me and give his point of view. And? It worked out well. For because, who? For me and him, because yeah. we got it off our chest. Right. And, uh, and to be perfectly blunt, there's kind of that grandstanding tennis tendency in media now where if the coach yells at them, they write about it. They write about it. I'm, I must be so tough that that coach so-and-so yelled at me right. in my poor. And you know, the thinnest skins in professional sports belong to sports media. There's, yeah. there are guys out there who are very, very, very tough in print or on the air right. or, or wherever they are, but they can't take criticism. Right. It's they, re- they dish it's really, it out though. It's really the great contradiction in all of, in all of sports. Well, they criticize public figures, but don't understand in some ways they are public figures as well. I have never looked at myself as a public figure, ever. For all the work I've done, I look at myself as some still, and I'm in my 50s. I still, to this day, look at myself as an absolute nobody. You're a public figure. Okay, that's fine, but I'm telling you how I view myself. Yes. I look at myself as an absolute nobody who has the good fortune of having a microphone in front of my face every day or back in the day, a camera on me. I I don't understand. I'm being dead serious when I say this. I'm not even trying to be self-deprecating. I really don't know why people care about my opinion. I'm being I'm being yes. absolutely serious. I take my job very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. I am flattered that anyone would listen to this show and honestly care what I have to say. I do not want to be the story. And one thing that I don't believe that I am, and you feel free to respectfully disagree, I know too many people in this business who are shameless 
self-promoters. Yes. Look at me. Look at me. You know, I mean, and I do go after people for, for doing stuff. I've heard media talk about wanting to create their own franchise, quote, unquote. Meaning what? That's, the, that's their goal is to be, call attention to themselves enough so they've created their own brand, their own franchise. Sure. I mean, there are guys, there are guys like that. And there are guys and gals who have built their careers off of doing certain things. I'm not going to name this name. But many years ago, there was a den and don't please don't guess on the air. I'll tell you who it is off air. And and this person was here when you were here. It is my understanding. This person was an excellent writer, excellent, excellent writer. But he was a kiss ass and he kissed the ass of a certain coach and his whole career was built on that. I, I know who you're talking. About. And listen, if that's the way you want to go, that's yeah. fine. I, I say to young people coming into this business, you have basically three lanes to choose from. And I'm referring to a single lane, one shoulder, and the other shoulder. You can be a kiss ass and be on one shoulder. You can be true to yourself and critical. I don't believe in crossing the line. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in making it personal. And if I did and if I have made it personal to somebody. I hope they will let me know that, and I will be the first one to apologize. The easiest way to get out of something that you did is to sincerely apologize and say, I will do my best to make sure it doesn't happen again, okay? Or you could be the person who tries to kiss ass and break every story because you're building those connections, mm -hmm. and you try and be critical at the same time. What happens is you are in the middle lane, and that's where you get hit. You don't get hit on either shoulder. <laughs> you get crushed. You get absolutely crushed. I'm not a guy. I like to feel that I tell it like it is. I, I hope I never make it personal with someone. I speak my truth. You have said to me on air as well, Eric, this is what I really believe to which I chuckle inside and say, well, I know it's what you really believe. You say it when you say it. I believe that that's what you mean. There are some people in radio that try and play radio and they want to do the hot take and they want to be controversial and they want to get their clicks. I can promise you anything that comes out of my mouth. I believe. Yes. I don't need to make it up. I, I'm cynical enough as is. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. So if I say it, I believe it. I, uh, in, in many years, my role on my job was kind of as a national writer, particularly at the sporting news. So I never had to be the bad cop in those situations. You're the bad cop on on local coverage more so. Yeah. And I, I I was kind of smiling through part of your description of things that you've gone through. Pierre Lacroix, you've never you've never been chewed out until you've been chewed out by Pierre Lacroix. And it was so funny because media saw him chewing me out. And they were honestly trying to figure out what he was mad about because nothing had really happened. And I, I can't even, I can ex try to explain what it was all about here, but it would take 10 minutes. It involved minutia. And that was the whole thing about Pierre was, he, he, he was so sensitive. He would get so mad. You would go, Pierre, I don't even know what you're talking about. You have not done your job unless you have, and I don't, I don't wear this as a badge of honor, but it's kind of true. You haven't done your job until you've pissed somebody off. I have pissed off people in every single organization, not because I'm making it personal. I'm just giving you my opinion. Mark Warkentine is a perfect example. Nuggets. Remember him? Yes, the Nuggets. Yeah. I had a great relationship with him. 
great relationship until I did a commentary on Fox 31. Was it was it a commentary or was it no? It was an article I wrote when we had the daily here oh. at Mile High Sports. When we had daily at Mile High Sports, and what I said was Mark Warkentin has a brilliant eye for talent. The problem is he doesn't know how to build a team. Now let's look at his history. He was part of a corrupt program at UNLV. Then, as the assistant GM, he helped build the Jailblazers in Portland. So he went from Tarkanian's team to the Jailblazers. The Jailblazers. And then he famously built the Thuggets. Knew how to spot talent. No one should argue that. He knows talent. But he puts all of these, I don't want to say bad guys, but maybe guys with character flaws and he hands it to George Carl and says, here's a bunch of talent, but none of it mixes. Yeah. It's a bunch of misfit toys. I think, wasn't it Reuben Patterson who was accused of rape? I believe it was. Put him on the team. And Marcus Camby, who was a good player, but, you know, he had his own set of issues. And then Mello, who didn't want to play defense. Just a bunch of misfit toys. So I wrote an article on that. Well, did I get a phone call? First words out of his mouth. Goodman, lose my effing number, and if you ever write that BS again, get an attorney because I am going to sue you. Lose my effing number. Click. Did you lose it? I still have it on my phone. Never called him. I haven't called him since. But at the end of the day, was he? did he work with Jerry Tarkanian and UNLV? Yes. Did he help build the Jailblazers? Yes. Did he help build the Thuggets? Yes. There we go. And I also look at that with a kind of raised eyebrows in that I covered both the Nuggets and the Trailblazers yep. at different times. With it. That was as good a team as I've ever been around. That Trailblazers? Por- no, the Portland Trailblazers yeah. team. Before, but, but guys before were always getting that. in trouble. No, I'm saying before that. Oh, okay. That team with Porter and Drexler and yep. Jerome Kersey. Right. Kevin Duckworth. Yep. They were good. They played the Bulls in the, what, the 92 finals? Yeah. Yeah. No. But working and, team and came the, after that. And the 90 finals against the Pistons. Right. That's as good a team as I've ever been around in terms of good guys. He just brought in guys with bad, or helped, because he was the assistant GM, guys with bad character. And it is what it is. So I was speaking the truth, at least from my perspective. It offended him, and he was one of my best sources. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, shoot, I just lost a source. So at the end of the day, um, you can make the case I found myself in the middle lane. That's fine. I had other sources. That's fine with me. But Pierre, Shanahan, Workentine, and oh. And and then with the Rockies, are you kidding me? Oh, Dan yeah. O'Dowd hated me. And so did everybody else in that organization. Now I have a great relationship with all of them. But at the end of the day, it is it is what it is. You speak your truth, but you just don't make it personal. And that's that. Coming I- Go ahead. I always had a somewhat awkward situation at the Broncos because my dad worked for the team. Right. So I was kind of held at arm's length a little bit in terms of direct coverage that we, we'd understand that there would be selective situations when I'd cover the team. Right. And so I had a, I had a, I had a conflict of interest. Absolutely. That all igno- and it's important to acknowledge the conflicts of interest. Right. And by the way, I'm not proud of this stuff that happened because I didn't go out of my way to pick a fight. I just did what I did, and if it ruffled feathers, I spoke my truth. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want, I have never wanted to make it personal. Coming up after the break, we have been waiting and waiting for Nazem Kadri to make a decision. 
and he hasn't. But for him not making a decision, is that holding the Avalanche back from signing a certain player? That's next. No, I gotta get out. But I'm stuck so tight. Wait by the chains to keep me hanging around this town. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Siltahar Mazda. They're loaded up with inventory. You can get the right car at the right price. I'll give you a couple you should choose from. The Mazda CX-5 or the Mazda CX-30. Small crossover SUV, all-wheel drive, leather trim seats, great power. And get this, with gas prices still being high. I know they've come down a tick, but they're still high. You're going to get 32 miles to the gallon on the highway. You should absolutely Take one for a test drive today. Go say hello to my buddy, the vice president of Siltahar, period. Uh, Greg Larson, terrific guy. He's going to totally hook you up. Or one of his sales guys, love going to Siltahar and Siltahar Mazda. It is stress-free. It is hassle-free. Siltahar, they've been in the community for decades. They've been around for over 60 years. A family-owned business treating everyone like family. Again, Go to Broomfield today for a test drive or check them out at sthmazda.com. So just for fun, I looked up uh, Mark Workentine's Wikipedia page. This is what it says. Per his LinkedIn profile, last line, Mark works as a special assignment evaluator for the Oklahoma City Thunder, though what he does in that role is anybody's guess. <laughs> does it actually say that? I, I, I nearly fell over when I read it. <laughs> Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. I have lost count of the number of days it has been since NHL free agency. Kadri is still unsigned. Nine days, I believe. But but so is Paul Stasny. Do you think those two are connected? Paul Stasny's coming off a, a three-point, a three-year. Paul Stasny's coming off a really good contract with, with uh, and he's looking ahead. He, he may settle for a small $1 million type contract instead of $3.75 million. So I think that's part of the deal here where the Avalanche, they are deciding whether Paul Stastny is a reasonable fallback position. Do you believe they're actually considering him? I think they are. I and think they, they should. They have least. to repair some bridges there because he, he uh, in 2014, Joe Sackick was looking at the training deadline of deciding whether whether to try to get Stastny under contract with an extension or, or move on. And uh, Stastny indicated to them they, he would give them a hometown discount. In this case, it can be somewhat literal because his wife is from Denver and that he, he played ho college hockey at the University of Denver. 
And so there were some feelings there that when he ended up signing a, a huge deal with the Blues instead, I think Joe Sackick felt a little bit betrayed. And I think it's really kind of weird because it almost parallels the Kadri situation in that Joe Sackick had the opportunity to try to sign Nazem Kadri to an extension during the season, and they decided not to do it. And so it's really kind of a, it's, it's almost a weird circling back to that, that hometown discount type position being on the table with Paul Stastny being kind of involved in the maneuvering on a different side. Well, here's the thing about Stastny. He hasn't signed with anybody yet, so he's still available. So, and it happened a long time ago. Well, he's, he, he was under a one-year contract this year, a bridge one-year contract right. to get him to another one-year contract. And as you and I have talked about, his numbers essentially mirror Nachuchkin. Yes. So if you can get him at a relatively decent price, and they still have money to give. So I think it's like 4.66. Certainly Stassi's not going to get that on a one-year deal. No, and he's also indicated he's, he's willing to come down a little bit on the if he was making $3.75 million last year, he's indicated he will come down a little bit. Uh, maybe you learned from his, his uh, encounter with Joe Sackick a few years ago. He will come down a little bit to try to get to a winner or a contender. And I think you can say, safely say the Avalanche are winners and contenders right now. No question. I think he should want to come back here if he wants to win a cup. So it just makes so much sense for him to be the fallback. I agree. I think it's, that's what they're doing. And I think, now with Kadri and John Klingberg of the stars, the puck moving defenseman being really the two other names out there, and Paul Stastny, it's really kind of funny if you look around. Paul Stastny isn't getting much attention. It's almost like he isn't out there, but he is. Right. And he would he would be a fallback. And I, it's even even to the point where uh, he could be unsigned. His training camp approaches, and then he's kind of the last resort for several teams. You brought up Klingberg. Um, and he played last year for Dallas. Is that yeah, right? Uh-huh. Okay. I, I was told this by somebody. I will say, let me throw this out. The, the parallel situation there is that he and Kadri both were making about four, a little over $4 million, and they're both looking for big raises. Okay. And so Klingberg's probably finding out that that's not out there either. Well, a lot of the money's gone. That's the thing. Unlike most sports, when it comes to free agency, generally speaking in the NHL, most teams blow their load day one. Very rarely in hockey do you see deals or substantial deals happen day two, three, four. Now, you could make the case that happens in the NFL too, mm-hmm. but you still get decent-sized deals. In the NHL, historically, teams spend their money right away, and boom, they don't have a lot left. Well, now, and, like and the Islanders still have over $11 million. And it's a hard cap. You can prioritize all you want, but there's only so much money under the cap, and... You know, you, every once in a while, you hear somebody saying, "Geez, Eric Johnson should give them a, should give them a, a, should renegotiate his contract and come down." Well, maybe to open up some room for his last year. Well, Eric Johnson can't renegotiate right. his contract. You can't do it in the NHL, and that's one of the beauties of the, I think, of the hard cap system is that there are no exceptions. You can't redo deals. Your deal is your deal. We don't have these ridiculous mid-level exceptions like you have in the NBA. And I think that this system works much better. It's straightforward. You brought up Klingberg. I talked to somebody who has intimate knowledge. Let's put it that way. Intimate knowledge of what the Avalanche are thinking. And he brought up the name John Klingberg to me. He really fits the style of Avalanche defenseman. Well, but but this is why he brought the name up. 
not for that reason, because he is looking for a raise. He said, watch what happens with him, because if for some reason he leaves the Stars, the Stars could be very interested in trading for Sammy Gerrard. Mm -hmm. And that could open up money for Kadri if indeed the Avalanche want Kadri back, knowing they would likely have to trade Gerrard. But he brought up Klingberg's name specifically. I still think the Avalanche have kind of a reputational feeling of having something at stake over Samuel Gerrard because he was he came in the, the Duchesne trade. And, and they were praised for several years for having the savvy to see that Sammy Gerrard was going to be a pretty good player. The problem is that they have duplication of effort there now. I, yeah, you and I disagree on this. Just because you traded somebody and it was seen as a good return, mm -hmm. why in the world wouldn't you try and You're trade You're still up? viewing him as a commodity. They are all commodities. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 I agree with your what you're saying, but I think this is still an issue. You think that's why they don't want to? No, I don't. Work? I don't think that's the the determining factor. I just think it's part of the overall recipe here. Coming up after the break, we're going to do the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Gambling Challenge with our friends Ty Calcade and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. We're going to talk about Super Bowl odds. How have they moved? Where are the Broncos? And I got to tell you something. When I saw the odds for the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. I was stunned, but not for the reason that you might think. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. All right, every, um, let's call it Friday on the show, because it is on Friday, <laughs> and it is Friday. We do the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Gambling Challenge with our friends Ty Calcane and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. All right, guys, here's the question. Bill's favored to win the Super Bowl at six and a half to one odds. Next three teams in the AFC, Chiefs 10 to one, Chargers 16 to one, Broncos 17 to 1. They're the fourth highest ranked team to win the Super Bowl out of the very tough AFC. Baltimore and the Bengals are tied to 22 to 1. Which team is the best bet when you consider your payout? It's so good. I thought you had made a mistake in transcribing it into the show notes because I I didn't believe that that could that could be right. I was I very the, surprised. I have the Bengals at 22 to 1. You would take them? Yes. Yeah, I can see taking them as well. Uh, but looking at the history, and it doesn't mean that the history is always correct, the team that loses the Super Bowl regresses, tends to have a not-so-great season the following season. Although, although the Bengals have absolutely shored up their biggest weakness, which is offensive line. But when I look at the AFC, you have the Bills, the Bengals, uh, 
the Ravens, obviously. I think the Colts are going to contend, and then you can make the case for any team in the West. I was surprised that the Broncos were sitting fourth, but I think I think the reason why they are fourth, or at least they're in the top four, is because the way Vegas odds makers look at it, mm-hmm. one of those teams is going to win the West. Yeah, I think that's how they look at it. Don't you? Yes. And they're they're for the better teams in the AFC. Absolutely. Guys, what do you think? Uh, with that, um, I, I was looking at one other team though. I thought it was way undervalued. Who's that? The Chargers. It's sixteen to one. Well, kind of this almost the same. They're still third. They're still third. But honestly, this has to. If this isn't the Bills' year, I don't know when it's going to be. Because when you look at their division, when you look at their division, um, I don't think Miami is going to... I think Miami will be better, don't get me wrong. I think the Patriots will be good, don't get me wrong. But the Bills are the class of that division. And I think they will feast on the teams in their own division. And I know that they have a difficult schedule, but I think the road to the Super Bowl, the road through the AFC goes through Buffalo, and they're going to be hosting all of those games. But this is gambling philosophy here in that you're looking for value and how they have your money for a year. Right. Uh, that's why I want value in, when I do that. Right. So, and, I, so I am going to take a long shot, almost always. You no, know, I think the Bengals are a good pick. I think the Bengals are a very good pick, especially when you get the odds. My concern is looking at the history. And, and I always chastise people when they look at history. And I'll give you a good example. So uh, let's use this as our example. Let's say, so the Broncos are playing in Seattle, right? The Broncos have lost the last five times they've played in Seattle, but we're dating it back to 1999. That's the type of history that aggravates me when people throw that out there because the 1999 team has nothing to do with the 2022 team. That's the type of history I think is bogus. But when you look at the history of the team that loses in the Super Bowl, I think that could reflect a little bit more accurately because there can be a letdown. But when I look at what the Bengals have done in the offseason, specifically with their offensive line, they did exactly what the Chiefs did following their Super Bowl collapse against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their offensive line was dreadful, and that's a huge reason why they lost to the Buccaneers. But the Chiefs did not make it back to the Super Bowl. But I also see the, with, the, with the Bengals, I just see Burrow throwing the ball to Higgins, Bird, and Jamar Chase and put it, lighting it up. Yeah. Mixon's a, a really good running back. No, they're, they're, they're a very, very good team. Yeah, the problem there is you have to root for Mixon if you make a bet on the Bengals. Right, and you're talking about his problems coming out of college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can say that about a lot of guys. You, you were talking about the thresholds for percentage, percentage of completions interceptions and touchdowns. I mean, Burrow just had a terrific year last year yeah. with all of that. I mean, 70%, 34 touchdowns with 14 interceptions. You don't get better than that. Wait, what is it again? 70, he threw, he completed 70% of his passes. Right. 34 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Yeah, but that's bare. That's not even three to one. It was pretty damn good. It, no, it's very good. I, I don't like it's. I like Burrow because I think he's a gamer. That's what I like about him. Yeah. I don't think he's a crazy, talented guy. Oh, I think he is. Uh, well, not not like a Herbert. 
Herbert is crazy talented. Oh, I no, I think Josh, they're very similar. That no, way. well, I don't think so. I like I look at a guy like Josh Allen, crazy talented, great, yes. and from what I've been told by someone I know who's in the Bills organization, as respected as any leader who's ever gone through that organization, and his work ethic is unmatched. And it's so funny because he was viewed as semi quirky up at Wyoming, right? Well, they turned like, him into like a, a really good quarterback, a goofy guy, right? And he had a tremendous jump between what was it, year two and year three. Yeah. Right, and everybody thought, "Ooh, that could be Drew Locke too." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. It, that 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 it's not the same thing. Not not even close to being the same thing." A guy like Patrick Mahomes, and a Lamar Jackson, and a Justin Herbert have crazy skills. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't look at Joe Burrow as a guy with crazy oh, skills. I, do. I don't. I think. He has a lot of Joe Namath in him, a lot of confidence, borderline cocky. He's a winner. He certainly did it at LSU. We know what happened last year. I like him in a big game. I like all of those things about him. But do I think he has mad skills like a Mahomes? No. I think like he an has Allen? all of that. No. I think he has all of that. Mm. Yeah, I would. I would respectfully disagree. You know, you know who I, who has who doesn't have mad skills. Mad, I'm talking mad skills like big arm, uh, really mobile in the pocket, can make any throw all the time. Two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but they're gamers. That's Peyton Manning and and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Burrow's more like them, and that's as high of a compliment as I can give. In the fourth quarter, how about Dan Marino? Dan Marino was selfish. Well, he wanted to pass all the time, and he was very quick to give up on the running game. But he got rid of the ball so fast. He did. He did. He also had made terrific wide receivers of an average group. Yep, and you can make the same case about John Elway. You make the same yeah. case about John Elway. I'm with you on that. I see Burrow more in the mold of a guy who is very good at a lot of things, but he doesn't have an arm like a Josh Allen. And I've said this on the air and people disagree and you could disagree all day. Uh, Josh Allen probably, did you, John Elway is one of the strongest arms in NFL history. Yes. I'll take Josh Allen all day, all day. I wouldn't go that far. I would go that far. You know why? Why? Because he has in practice stood at the 40 yard line and chucked it out of the stadium in the end zone. But that's really got nothing to do with actually what happens on the field. No, well, that that talks about arm strength. I'm saying strong arm, and yes, he can throw. And by the way, it's not a knock on John Elway. John Elway was a terrific quarterback. No reasonable person is going to argue that. Well, and the, the most underrated aspect of his game was the ability to keep the play alive until he could bring his big arm into play. Absolutely. John Elway was a great player. I'm just saying that Josh Allen's arm is pretty much unmatched it is that strong he chucks it out of the stadium he has done that in practice not many guys can do that he can i'll give you another guy and i I can't remember oh malik willis Mm -hmm. that guy has a cannon for an arm kid who just came out of college unbelievable rifle as an arm but at the end of the day i'll give you a guy that i maybe your dad coached and he had an arm like i'd never seen the problem is he had very little accuracy. Uh, Hold on, don't guess yeah, yet. I think I know very little accuracy. And when you were a kid, did you ever play? Ki- there was always one guy in the neighborhood 
that was like this. And in my neighborhood, his name was Manish Gandhi. No joke. That was his name. Good athlete, but you'd play catch with him, and you're 10 feet from him. <laughs> and he would wind up like a Looney Tunes character and chuck it as hard as he could. And you're like, dude, I'm right here. And the guy I'm talking about is Vince Evans. Yes. He had an arm that was a rocket, but he was so incredibly inaccurate. He was just, he's a really good quarterback, but he was just he good was, enough to get you beat. He was the furthest thing from a really good well, quarterback. I'm trying to say. He is, had talent. He had physical talent, like Jeff George, yes. like Jamarcus Russell. But he had no accuracy at all. None. But man, he could. I mean, we talk about the Elway cross. I, I would still Vince, call Vince, him. Vince Evans could throw it through you. I am calling him a good quarterback because of how how tantalizing his talent was. Right. And how he's, he's he can really be good. He can he can sling it. But but his processor isn't very good, meaning from the mm -hmm. neck up. Uh, as as Peyton Manning famously and yes, said, and yes, my dad did coach him. I figured. Um, and I don't know what he was like, but as Peyton Manning famously said, yes, I throw a lot of wobbly interceptions, but I also throw a lot of wobbly touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I put Joe Burrow, not in the same class, but the same type of guy, not mad skills, but he's a gamer like a Manning or a Brady. But I think his effectiveness is, is summed up by saying, I think he's he combines all that. And that's why Joe Burrow is going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. He might. I'm not going to debate that at all. I, he, he's off to obviously a very good start, but but in terms of athleticism, he's not in the same league as a Mahomes or an Allen or a Lamar Jackson. He's not. But at the end of the day, uh, Jackson hasn't been to a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and neither is Josh Allen. But and I say this: if the Broncos don't go, as a guy who covered the Bills, hopefully he leads him there. And I don't want him to lead him there. I want him to win because I want the city of Buffalo to have a championship. Because everything that has happened with the city of Buffalo, <laughs> whether whether you have the game against what it was at the Flyers back in the early 1970s, and the no goal with Brett Hall, and the missed field goal with, wasn't with, in the uh, with uh, was it Steve Christie or not? I mean, uh, Norwood, wide right. Yeah, I would love. And by the way, people don't realize there was a swirling wind that day. I was actually there. I don't remember the swirling wind. It was wind. a swirling wind that day and it was a 47-yarder. It was a swirling wind that day. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? The Rockies begin their post-All-Star stretch this evening. We'll talk second-half expectations and a big-name figure in the professional wrestling landscape has called it a career. We'll tell you who on the other side. It's Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. New drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back, afternoon drive. Goodman Fry, watch us mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now. For the final word? The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Hawk. 
just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Rockies begin their post-All-Star stretch tonight with a four-game series in Milwaukee. Currently, they sit at 43-50, and six and a half games back of the wildcard standings, even with the new third wildcard spot. What are your expectations for the final two months of the season, and do you expect them to make any trades before the August 2nd deadline? I think they should be shooting to get to 500, which would be 38 and 31 the rest of the way, according to my University of Colorado math. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that's not a lofty goal, and it's probably a little bit sad and condescending that I've reduced it to such a low goal, but I think that's one that could be realistic and they could play entertaining baseball down the stretch and be seven games above and be seven games above 500 to get to 500. 500 would be a good season for them. I hate to say it, that's what we would have said. I hear, the irony, the, I hear the irony in your voice. No, I'm being serious. That would be considered a good season for them. I mean, what, what were the expectations? Honestly. Look at the division that they're playing in. And oh, by the way, uh, according to some stats that I read, they have the most difficult schedule in the second half of the season of any team in the National League. So they have that going for them. Are they going to make trades? Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't trade Daniel Bard. Okay. Maybe Iglesias winds up getting traded. Right? There are a couple guys who could be on the block. And that's just the way it works when you have a team that is not going to make the playoffs. I think I read a story on ESPN where at least four guys could get traded on this team. And I like the way they've got Jose Urania inserted into the starting rotation now. You might as well find out if he can do it for a longer stretch than the kind of the the flash he's shown since he's got called up. And there were reports from Patrick Saunders they might go with a six-man rotation. So if anything, I'm curious to see if that works. Herman McCrez is not even getting a start in the next five games. He's been a disappointment. And you know what? He has a lot of talent, but you can make the case outside of some good outings, outside of a good one half of the season, he's been a disappointment knowing his talent. Vince McMahon has announced he is retiring from a WWE at the age of 77, where he served as the chairman and CEO. What's the first thing you think about when you hear Vince McMahon's name? His marketing genius. He is the P.T. Barnum of of wrestling. And bringing himself into it at the same time. He didn't just let his showman and show people be involved in the ones leading the way. He was part of it. He was leading the way. Yeah. He is... Um great businessman i've heard some things about him as a person that maybe you might disagree with maybe on the way he has handled some things but he has built a empire because back in the 1970s before vince mcmahon you know growing up um watching professional wrestling uh before a chicago bears game it was on a channel that was hard to get it was channel 26 and you know in chicago and it was it, it was they weren't performing in arenas. They were performing in high school gyms because of Vince McMahon. Now they are selling out stadiums. Yeah. Great market. Yeah. Pro wrestling when when I was a kid was was guys with names like the Crusher. Right. And uh, guy and they would eat glass on right. TV between in interviews. Right. Right. He he turned professional wrestling mainstream. There was a point, if I am not mistaken, professional wrestling was on NBC. In order to get that contract, you have to be doing something right. 
he built up the careers of a lot of guys who are household names. Hulk Hogan, The Rock. Uh, there's an actor right now, John Cena. I mean, all of these guys are, are now household names and movie stars, and they should be thanking Vince McMahon for what he has done for that. And yes, I will call it a sport because no, when, when you get hit with a folding chair, they're not putting <laughs> all of their effort into it, but you're still getting hit with a folding chair. You still are. And we're forgetting his involvement with the XFL. Right. He started, now it's no longer around, but you know, he has had a great career in what I believe his daughter is taking over now. Listen, good for him. Good for him. All right, that was Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. You can walk in any store and you can try out the appliances before you buy them. When you buy a car, you're going to test drive it, right? At least you should have that opportunity with appliances that you're going to be spending a few bucks on, right? Big box stores, they're not going to let you do that at all. And their sales staff is the big difference. Besides having the best appliances in town, you know, not every refrigerator is the same. Not every stove is the same. You have certain needs. Maybe you need an induction stove. Maybe you need a Viking stove. They can put you into what you want depending on your needs. You go to a big box store, it's a 25-year-old kid who's, you know, looking for another job as soon as he can get it or she can get it. Their sales staff has been there for years, and that's the place you want to go. You can find Mountain High Appliance in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, ESPN had an article titled The Top Position Groups for Each Team. What did they pick for the Broncos? That's next. Touchdown. 